Welcome to the Mind Vine Podcast, where we challenge the stigma associated with mental illness through conversations about a variety of issues impacting mental health. Here we bring you news, views, and interviews that intrigue, educate, and celebrate recovery. Leading us on this journey are the hosts of the Mind Vine Podcast, Daryl Mathers and Chris Bovey. Welcome to the Mind Vine Podcast. My name is Daryl Mathers. I'm with my co-host as usual, Chris Bovey. Chris, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Daryl? How are things? All right. Uh, we're, I don't know what day we're into the third lockdown in Ontario, but there is news today that yes. um, there's going to be some outdoor activities uh, opening in Ontario maybe next week. We're yep. still waiting for word, but that's a positive sign. Actually quite fitting for what we're going to talk about today. Yes. I know. I felt really bad. I thought I might get some hate mail because I was a little premature on the golf opening last yeah. I'm hoping this is the day, so we'll see. Yes. The last I saw was May 26th that they anticipate golf courses being open, so that would be yeah. Wednesday from our film date here. So I will take it. Anything? We'll see. Anything to add some variety in terms of physical fitness and outdoor recreation options would be very much welcome. Uh, but I did say it was Absolutely. fitting because. Uh, we have a couple different uh, segments uh, on this version of the podcast, and we're really uh, we're really talking about how important physical health is. And to help us kind of have that conversation, uh, we have somebody from Ontario Shores. Uh, we'd like to welcome from our therapeutic recreation department, uh, Siobhan Thompson. Siobhan, welcome. Hey, Siobhan, how are you? Hi. Thanks for joining us. Uh, like we were saying, it, it, you know, the timing's really uh, perfect because I think the one thing we've learned uh, in the pandemic is that we have to physical health or physical health and mental health are really aligned quite closely. And we've had to find creative ways or take up new hobbies during the pandemic to kind of balance that. And I know that, you know, you've had some challenges at work in, in the pandemic in terms of the, the work you do. So I was wondering if you could just describe Kind of the role of therapeutic rack at Ontario Shores and, and some of the some of the work you do. Yeah, no problem. So we are actually there's a team of us and we work on the various units here. Um, what we do is we create recreational leisure programs for the patients. Um, this just helps them improve, like you know, their well-being, their health, their quality of life. So it's based on recreation and leisure activities. Great. So obviously. Awesome. For some people, they're sorry. For some people, the uh, home life is is really uh, because it's now their school, it's their work, it's their home, and it's become this all encompassing thing. And so, I'm just curious if you could share, like, how why is it so important for us to get out and and, and take part in recreational activities for our own mental health? Well, when we like, especially like you said, we're at home right now, so it kind of creates loneliness. You know what I mean? Loneliness within ourselves. And when there's loneliness, there's always depression. Being able to get outside um, will help with the depression. Like you don't want to get into a funk that you can't get out of. So just being able to be able to do outdoor activities such as golf and like, you know, walking the dog. Um, that's great because it just, you know, motivates us to do more and not sit on the couch and become couch potato, you know, especially also with school being online. I see like I have kids school online and I literally see them just being on their devices all the time so in that mindset of just being on devices not being physically active 
not being healthy, picking up snacks that are unhealthy. So that's why we should definitely continue to be motivated to get outside and live healthier lives and, you know, ride a bike, go rollerblading, because if we don't, we're definitely going to get into an unhealthy path. And that's not good for anybody's quality of life. Can we edit out the dog thing just in case our kids watch this podcast? It's been a conversation <laughs> in our house a few times. I what? know. My daughter shows me dogs every day. She shows me. <laughs> I know a few people that have gotten dogs during the pandemic, too. And it's, yeah, it has been something we've considered. But thankfully, we're almost at the end of the third wave. And we have not, you know, we've gotten through it without having to purchase an animal. Um <laughs> But it, like the one when you were describing, you know, uh, you know the importance of mental and physical health at this time. One of the things I thought of was um, like we all have different things that keep us like healthy and different ways of doing it. So uh, for me, before the pandemic, I was very structured, right? Like I had hockey on Sunday night, yes. uh, you know, in the summers I'd play golf or baseball, or I yes. have different nights that I had, you know, kind of recreation built in, and then anything else I did. On top of that was like a bonus, right? And then when the pandemic hit, all that was gone. And I noticed that um, I don't know, maybe in the second wave, it's hard to it's hard to keep track of time these days. But where I had to start figuring out, like there was something going on in my body and my mind that I wasn't. Um, I was starting to recognize like higher stress levels and anxiety levels. And then I'm like, okay, now I understand why. Like I need to. I need to go and sweat. I need to go for a run. I need to go for a bike ride or I need to do something. And, and I've never had to do that before. Cause it's always been, you know, I can't wait for hockey or I can't wait for golf or I can't wait for X activity. So I wonder how important is it? Like not only in this new world, but like just as you know, trying to be healthy adults and children that we learn to recognize what our body and minds are telling us when it comes to stress and anxiety. It's really important. Like all that, like you said, you started feeling something that's just built up energy. Like, can you imagine we're not moving around? We're not keeping active. Um, we're in our minds all the time because all you're literally doing is sitting down there and thinking about things. And sometimes our minds usually cross negative things, right? So it's very important for us to, um, we come from the structure and it's true. The same thing, like I was playing soccer, I was in the gym. To not having any structure, right? So it's very important to find another avenue to release that built up energy. So being able to, you know, find something new, like, for example, I started going to the park every morning and working out with my friends. Like I would meet a couple friends there and work out. And I felt so much better. Like, like you said about the pressure and the stress, I felt less stress. Um, I was able to go more in the daytime. Like I didn't want to take naps, you know what I mean? So being able to find different avenues instead of just sitting home and with the stress and the pressure will make you feel so much better. And again, motivated throughout the day. So this is exactly why we need recreation in order to motivate us, keep us moving, keep us healthy. And when we don't have that, we do de definitely fall into negative behaviors and stress is one of them for sure. So, so, I mean, we're blessed in Terror Shores to be on a wonderful property with the waterfront trail. And, and you see a lot of the community going for, for bike rides and using that space. And I'm just curious, you know, not everybody has access to that, but the whole doing recreation in a pandemic and doing it safely and distancing from, from your perspective as a rec therapist, have you been, had to be more creative and finding 
things to do and creating things that sort of take into that safe space and, and uh, you know, public health measures while finding, again, different recreational activities away from the things that Daryl talked about, like organized soccer and contacts. So to be honest with you, a lot of our patients haven't been able to like, usually we have like baseball tournaments in the summertime and barbecue yeah. in the summertime. So we've had to do it on unit. So we last year we were able to, during the first uh, wave of the COVID, we were able to do barbecues on our unit only. So you know, there was certain things that patients definitely missed out on. What I've been finding with the, you know, the patients and everyone now, even down to the staff, they've been participating in more outdoor walks with us. So we have more outdoor walks. Uh, we have the bikes. So we've been biking. That's kind of how we've been, like, you know, adhering to public health as well as doing social distancing. We also started a running club that one of the nurses actually led us in yesterday. So we started doing a running club. So as much as the pandemic has been like inconvenience to everyone, it's kind of been positive as well for the rec staff and the patients, because we've been able, again, to kind of drift away from the hospital setting and be able to be outside because we have such an open field in the back and all the trails, right? And able to be introduced to the community as well. So there's a lot of people in the community that we do see on our trails, and they're very nice to all of us when we walk by saying hello, but again, always keeping social distance in mind. I think it's, our, our like, I think it's, we already know that that's what's expected of us. So it's okay for us to be on a walk as long as we're being engaged far away. So I, I do see that the patients enjoy more so being like, you know, within like being on the hospital grounds, taking walks, running, biking, anything outside opposed to programs on the unit right now. As, as we get closer to dreaming and hoping that <laughs> this is close to the end, right. That, you know, we can, we look around the world and we see other countries that are uh, further along in the vaccination program, starting to get back yeah. to, you know, activities that we want to do here, right? Yeah. So as, as we get closer to that, uh, is there anything in society or community like that you would like us to take from this pandemic, the lessons we've learned, maybe the good habits that we've developed and, and bring them to this new normal that we're hopefully going to embark upon? Yeah, I think that we should definitely take outdoor activities into consideration because I know that a lot of people, especially me, like I would literally get into my car to like drive to the grocery store, get into the car to go to a park. Whereas now I'm like, let me walk to the farthest grocery store. Let me go outside in the morning and go to the park, you know, so I feel like and meet neighbors and community because we weren't doing that as much as we do live in a community. I don't think we were really like, you know, being involved in our community. So just being like once, you know, COVID is hopefully over and we're back to normal. I hope that everyone does stay outdoors and enjoys outdoors. And another thing is definitely, I feel like being able to visit our loved ones. I think that we took that for granted as well. And we'll get to them later, you know, work life type of thing, I think that we need to start visiting our loved ones even when the pandemic is over and be concerned about them even when there's not a pandemic, for sure. Do you have any tips now? I mean, for someone like me who, um, like Daryl, I loved organized sports and, and I I would do it because I knew if I didn't show up, I'd get yelled at. I don't have the same 
discipline when it's just me exercising? Is there ways to get into a routine or habits that people can put in sort of keep this going um, and being sort of uh, honor more sort of getting out and exercising on their own? Yeah, I would suggest not to overwhelm yourself. (laughs) People try to jump in to a lot of different things at once and then they lose interest in everything. So I suggest just starting with one thing. And honestly, it could be like a nightly walk. Those are so refreshing. People don't even realize how refreshing those are, especially when you've had a hectic day and you've been at work and so much things have happened. To just take a walk, it just takes so much, again, the stress and the pressure off you before you go to bed so you're not like in your mind and things are not on your mind. So just start with one thing. Don't start with 10 things, start with one thing. And it's the easiest things that we could start with. Again, the walking, the biking, um, again, the golf, you know, like I've been to, I have to say, it's the first time that I ever went golfing was through COVID. I went to a driving range and it was so fun. Like I would definitely do it again. So just like little things like that, maybe something that you haven't tried before, just one time. And then I feel like you could definitely break into a habit after you do it the one time. Yeah. I think the one, you know, another positive of this is uh, we've been forced to go outside our comfort zone. You yes. know, we gravitate towards some of these activities um, in the past because we know them, you know, we're familiar with them. And we've now had to, you know, decide to do something that we've never done before. And then the older you are, the harder it is to to do that, right? And if you don't have that drive, we can cut that out. Okay, that was a shot at me, by the way. <laughs> it's uh, you know what? We're not even going to cut that out because we're at a hospital. That's part of working. That's at a part of the is codes. Yes, so we're just gonna we're gonna roll with it. But this is saying the older you get, like the harder it is to uh, to go outside your comfort zone. I, I mean, yeah. I've experienced that, and I think a lot of people have had to had to, had to push through, and I think that's yes. a that's a positive. Um, you want to probably be the last thing I ask you, unless Chris has something else, um, is you mentioned a couple things, you know, that you like to do and the changes you've made, but what, like, what have you, what do you personally do to stay healthy, both like from a physical and, and mental standpoint? Uh, to be honest with you, one thing is I really watch what I, what I eat. Cause, uh, you know, during like certain times of your life, you do eat bad. Like, come on, we know this, <laughs> you <laughs> Like you might've been in school, you might've just got a new job and you need to like restructure. So I always, I'm very mindful of how I'm eating. Uh, Another thing that I do is again, those nightly walks. I try and do the walks as well to stay healthy. I'm a gym body. Like I love the gym. So to work out at home, it's, it's more stressful to me than it is enjoyable. So I've been again, working out outside. Like I prefer to work out outside. So that's kind of what I've been doing to stay healthy. I take my kids on the walks with me as well. Well, I I maybe bully them a little to go on these walks. <laughs> but <laughs> they enjoy it after. They definitely enjoy it after. So that's that's kind of what I do to stay healthy. Um mentally wise, I I really try like I'm I try and be a positive person all the time to be honest with you. So one thing with me is just to stay calm in any moment. So as long as I have, as long as I'm calm, 
honestly, that takes care of my mental health. I try not to, I try not to get, you know, too tense. I try not to yell. I try not to just, I just try and stay calm. And that helps me a lot with mental health. Yeah. Your point about your kids and having to drag them on walks. I mean, you mentioned the word nature walk in our house and, and all three of my kids there, you know, I think they, they play dead for a period of time, hoping to forget to take them. But uh, I mean, I know personally, like I like, we, we hardly had time to do those before all this. That's a code part of life. But uh, before the pandemic, we hardly had time to do those things. We were rushing from one thing to another and, and uh, it has been nice to discover some of the different places uh, in our community that have nice trails and yes. Yeah. Yes. well you've been great thank you very much you. for uh joining the podcast and thank and you so much for helped. having me yeah. it's been a it great was conversation really fun like i was like, oh, no. I was like, but it's been really fun thank you guys yeah. for having me great well take care and uh, all the best okay thank you So pleased to welcome our, our next guest, uh, Jackie Severs from Invest Durham. She's the Marketing and Cluster Development Manager uh, there. So welcome. Um, yeah. We're going to, obviously, it's a, this is a very challenging time for everybody. And I think, I know personally, you know, we found, my family has found new and innovative ways to get our recreation and exercise in and I wonder from, you know, to kick off the conversation, can you tell us about some of the challenges you're facing, you know, from a recreation perspective in both, you know, personal and professional domains of your life right now? Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Um, uh, so professionally, I work for Investorum and our, our section's responsible for economic development and tourism. So professionally, one of the challenges we're certainly having is the impacts on the tourism industry are, are pretty devastating. And that impacts all kinds of different businesses, um, but it also impacts outdoor recreation. So we are pretty limited to what we can promote or suggest that um, residents go out and do, um, which is a challenge because, you know, we would love to be supporting people to go out, but we've got to be mindful of safety. Um, so that does limit. And what, what we've done as a result is really adjusted our focus as much as we can to uh, messaging around supporting local business um, and what you can do in your own backyard, um, the types of tourism that you can partake in as far as outdoor recreation. So conservation areas, trails, cycling, um, our local parks, and uh, really just try to encourage um, healthy, safe outdoor recreation as much as possible. Um, personally, I have three-year-old twins. So getting them out of the house as much as possible um, is really important for their mental health and for my mental health and my husband's mental health. Um, so we've been taking advantage of the region's conservation areas every single weekend. We are out there rain or shine or long walks in the woods, forest bathing as I've taken to calling it, um, <laughs> uh, just to get some fresh air. And um, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, it's great for all of us um, to get outside. Right. So our, our hospital is blessed to be on the waterfront trail and right on a beautiful property. And, you know, I see a lot of residents going out for cycling and walks. And, and I know Ajax is very big into sort of a cycling mandate for the future. Why don't you talk a little bit about the future of the region when it comes to cycling? Sure. It's, it is uh, an incredibly in-demand um, region for 
cycling. And um, it was already a very popular sport in Durham region. You know, the um, Durham Region Mountain Bike Association had 1,200 members in 2020 before the pandemic. So it's already a, a very popular sport in the region. Um, and the region itself, the, you know, the regional organization itself has had a cycling plan since uh, 2012. And we're currently underway of updating that cycling plan. So um, that looks at all kinds of different um, things from active transportation, ways to get to work, um, different types of bike lanes, um, connecting the entire region to make sure it's safe to use um, from, for, from a transportation perspective for cycling, and then also the recreational cycling aspect. So it's a very comprehensive plan with a big vision, and that's, that's underway right now. We work with all of the area municipalities on that program as well. Um, it's a really exciting plan. If you kind of get into it a little bit, you can find it on our website if you start to look through presentations that we've been making. Um, and it will expand on the amazing assets that we have from a recreation perspective, like 350 kilometers of trails, the Uxbridge being the trail capital of Canada. Um, so there's a lot um, of growth happening there and a lot of kind of um, exciting pieces. So um, on the tourism side, we, we do offer maps to our cycling um, routes. So we have 14 cycling routes that you can download there that are done by um, expert riders in the region um, and explore all the trails. And then the plan sort of works between planning, the cycling plan works between planning and tourism and how those two pieces can fit together. So um, adding in gaps in existing routes. So you can get from your, you know, urban residents to uh, a cycling trail safely, um, um, connecting the businesses that are Ontario by bike businesses and making sure that you could, you know, pick up a butter tart along the way if you wanted to. Um, and so adding new routes and updating existing routes and all kinds of things. So it's it's a pretty interesting um, time for cycling and, and with so much demand, um, we're gonna see just exponential growth in that um, that area of recreation in the next you know five to 10 years for that's, sure. That's great. Cause I know Daryl has cycled a few times to work. I don't think I'd ever make it. So I'm envious of, of him trying to- No, I'm, safely. I'm one of those people that picked it up during the pandemic. Um, and so it's been over a year now and I had no idea about the cycling community in Durham and, and how strong it is. And it's obvious, like it's gotten, uh, so much stronger in the last, you know, obviously six to, to 10 months. Like, do you have any way of knowing how many of these people are going to stick around when they come to these sports? Like when it comes from, from a planning perspective, right, you got this huge surge and we all hope to go back to normal, but I guess it makes planning yeah. kind of difficult, not knowing maybe what the numbers are going to be like a year from now. Well, we so we know, I do have a statistic handy. We know that there's been a 196% increase in cycle um, in cycling uh, as far as trail users are concerned year over year from March, 2020 to March, 2021. So when we say booming growth, we really mean booming growth and interest in that sport. Um, and the great thing about the cycling plan and, and building cycling infrastructure is we also know, and we've heard in feedback that when it comes to cycling infrastructure, in a lot of cases, it's if you build it, they will come. People feel safer riding where there's safe cycling infrastructure. So you essentially can create demand by creating that safety. So um, it's a great thing to build it and it will continue to encourage the sport and help it grow um, uh, for all ages and for all safety levels and for all uses, whether it be for transportation needs or for uh, recreation. Yes. On, that, on the planning piece to Daryl's point. So obviously under the pandemic, you know, people have had to look at new ways to get recreation, you know, get, get outdoors and safely do these things. Does that start to factor in 
in planning for future? I know for us, obviously, virtual care has been a big component that under pandemic. But I'm wondering when you design new infrastructure and think about that in the future, does that change the way you, you look at recreation? I mean, I think it... I th- I mean, not to be flippant, but I think it's going to change the way everyone thinks about everything now to some degree. Um, Because we were in the midst of doing the cycling plan during the pandemic, it's certainly had an influence in the way that that has been looked at. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that that's going to impact a lot of infrastructure at kind of all levels of government and how we look at, um, you know, recreation facilities and outdoor spaces. Um, There is an interesting example um, in the city of Oshawa of a sort of grassroots outdoor cycling space that was known as Greenland um, in North Oshawa. It has been there for, I think, a decade. Um, and just, you know, cycle users going out and building, building it essentially. And eventually the city sort of said, you know, it's unsafe because I think ambulances can't get in. It wasn't so much that they said, you know, we just need to take it down. We need to take it down because if anyone does get injured, we can't get in to help. Um, and this happened during the pandemic. And so there was quite a lot of outcry. A lot of cycle users complained to the city and said, you know, this is something that has been built over a lot of years and is respected and, and it's and it's organized and as much as a, a grassroots organization can be. And the city has found a solution. So they are going to be closing Greenland, as it's known, but they will be opening a BMX park. And so they're working together with those users to find um, solutions rapidly to rapidly build a BMX park um, that's a safe outdoor recreation facility. So, you know, I don't know if that's fair to say that's a, an exact outcome of COVID, um, but I think because of the pandemic and how people are communicating now and people are pulling together around important um, issues and speaking to councils clearly and councils are seeing, you know, the increased demand for safe outdoor recreation and how important that is for mental health. Um, I think that that's certainly, you know, created momentum behind some of those conversations. You mentioned like personally the conservation areas that you use uh, and yeah. i know you know um i have you know you mentioned you have children i have three children and when there wasn't a pandemic um we spent most of our weekends running to activities you know after work uh running to activities you might occasionally get to a conservation area or two since the pandemic we've discovered a lot of different hidden gems in the in the region and uh, there really is a lot um, while we're kind of confused maybe about what we can do or can't do, we're yeah. waiting for provincial leadership to tell us, you know, kind of what um, is permitted given the what's status of the lockdown we're in or control. But um, there are a lot of these kind of opportunities throughout the region. Yeah, and there's been some, you know, there's 10, conser- I think there's a little, maybe 11, 10 or 11 conservation areas properly in the region. Some of them border um, other municipalities as well. But And that's on top of lots of natural green spaces and parks and trail systems, so proper conservation areas, um, Heber Down, Inniskillen, uh, Purple Woods, and so on. Um, And there's so many of them, and they're so different, and each one kind of offers its own um, hiking or trail experience. It's something that has been safe um, almost, I think, in every stage of lockdown, if my, my memory is correct, as long as you're distancing, you're traveling just with your family, it's a um, safe outdoor space. You can um, feed chickadees at Lynn Shores out of the palm of your hand. I know for myself, that was a remarkable moment this year and a remarkable moment for my children. Um, and so the, those spaces are, are very precious and very special to residents of Durham Region. I know for myself, 
I don't know if, like you said, I don't know if I would have spent as much time in conservation areas. I probably wouldn't have. I probably would have spent more time in um, in businesses or indoor playgrounds and things like that. And those are important parts of, you know, family recreation as well. But it's it's been a treasure to be outdoors. Um, we've seen some really interesting initiatives pop up too. And in, in uh, Purple Woods in particular, I know they had a, a, a pages from books printed, um, like a children's book about maple syrup because they weren't able to do the maple syrup festival. So they had printed pages from a book about maple syrup and put it all along the trail. So you could walk the trail and read the pages of the book out loud to your children as you went along the trail and educate them about maple syrup. So it's created some really interesting um, new ideas and new ways of doing things um, uh, that are part of the outdoor experience. That's great. Now, I know you're not in communications, but I wonder how tricky it's been um, because the pandemic, it's been so fluid as far as decisions made on closing, you know, playgrounds and such. Mm-hmm. How, how has it been to try and communicate the, you know, to, to residents, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do, you know, um, and working with the municipalities on that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, communications has been a really challenge for almost everyone during the pandemic. Um, anyone that works in any kind of, you know, I guess you could say customer facing role or working with businesses. Uh, it has been really challenging. Um, you know, uh, the, the guidance is ever evolving. And I think um, one of the biggest challenges for sure is information overload. I think all of us feel, whether it's your what you do for a living or not, <laughs> there's an information overload right now. It is ever evolving. It seems like it's changing every day. It feels like we have a press conference every day. And, you know, I think that's with good reason. Uh, everyone's trying to get the important information out and and really impress the importance of of safety. But that can really create a feeling of overwhelm. Um, and trying to you know find trustworthy sources, um, accurate information, and and daily updates uh, can can really be tough. And so we we you know we do see some fatigue, right? People are tired of the information. I know even personally, I'm tired of the information. Some days I just have to kind of take a break um, from the internet for sure. Um, so you know. Uh, for for my section, I can speak for my you know our group tourism and um, tourism speaks to to residents about you know things to do locally and investorum speaks to businesses. Um, what we try to do is be consistent and positive in our communications. So we consistently talk about what you can do and the reminders to stay safe with businesses. We're consistently reminding them we're there to support them and to contact us if they need help. And here are the resources. So it's it's really kind of just consistent and. Um, try to ensure all the information across all of our websites is as accurate as possible as it can be and um, and and try to try to do that I think the other piece is is the equity you know um, not everyone has access to uh, a mobile device or the internet um, not everyone has English as a first language and so that creates a lot of challenges for communication so um, we try to be creative in a lot of the different um, channels for communications as well and, and reach out directly into communities, um, share through any kind of networks that we have to, to broaden our reach of our messaging. So I would imagine in, you know, pre-pandemic work, you're, you're engaged in the community, you know, you're identifying initiatives, opportunities to, to promote tourism and other activities. In the last, you know, 15 months, wherever it's been, what are, do you have any examples or anything come to mind of like creative things that people in the community have done to, 
to either get connected with people or refresh their business or do something kind of interesting in order to kind of adapt to these kind of situation that we're situation we're in. We have seen it's honestly so many. We have seen so many. I mean, I really pay attention and sort of document what's happening with businesses and what they what they've been doing as part of my role. And I have dozens of examples I could give you of businesses who have, you know, not just pivoted, which is the big word, um, but created whole new programs to support um, their business and the community. Um, and it is really has really shown an incredible amount of resilience. Um, we know that it continues to be really challenging for businesses and devastating for a lot of businesses um, that don't have business models. So that can kind of, you know, adjust for, for what, what we're facing. Um, and, you know, as far as sectors go, that seems to be particularly on tourism. So restaurants, destinations, events, um, event facilities, um, recreation facilities, they have been very hard hit. Um, some examples I can provide of kind of interesting, um, like kind of pivots or different things that businesses have done or organizations. One comes to mind is um, Pickering Museum Village um, has been doing drive-through events. Um, it's very cool. I think they have a Roaring Twenties one coming up, so you can kind of go through like a prohibition experience at the Pickering Museum Village and drive through with your family and have a historical interpretation um, in your car. Um, in that kind of cultural sector, um, the Durham Region International Film Festival is doing a drive-in version of the film festival this year. Um, the Oshawa Music Awards did a virtual event last year, and we'll be repeating that again this year. So we are seeing some of those kind of big events and cultural groups doing some really interesting things. Um, but we have seen all kinds of businesses pop up. Businesses add, you know, um, uh, crates um, like the Durham crate, which is launched, which is like a, you know, shop local kind of in a surprise box. Um, uh, Mosaic um, has done a uh, uh, fresh bundles program, which partners farmers with um, local makers for you can kind of buy bundles of of home um, homemade bread or fresh um, fresh eggs from farms. The virtual farmers market. Um, is a very interesting business that um, has evolved out of out of this situation. It's at virtualfarmersmarket.ca, and it is a combination of I think over 30 farms that have come together and made a an online farmers market. It functions just like a farmers market, uh, one cart, and then they they collate it all and can deliver it right to your house or send to a pickup a single pickup point. Um, so there's been a lot of kind of creative um, um, examples from business. Um, the one that comes to mind most on sort of a personal community, there's a couple. There's the there's the caremongers who were a sort of a grassroots organization that formed to support you know seniors getting groceries or making phone calls or things like that. Um, the one that has impacted me most personally is the number of people who are painting rocks and leaving them on um, forest trails to discover. My the age of my kids, that is like the ultimate activity to go find painted rocks with messages of hope. So I think, you know, um from a community perspective, we've seen some really inspiring examples of of, of people doing really um lovely things and showing true humanity for each other. That's great. And we do have some rocks, I think, on our trail as well. So if anyone wants to walk the waterfront trail, I want to put on my sort of whippy chamber hat and keep on the business team if you don't mind and just you know, when I think of Durham region and all it has to offer from sort of an urban and, and five minutes you can be in, in the forest and in a conservation yeah. area, it has so much to offer. 
as we get out of pandemic and we look at economic recovery, how, I mean, you, you work in Investorm, how important is it when businesses reach out looking to relocate what you have to offer from a recreational standpoint when they're considering bringing their, their business here? It's huge. It's, it's very central. Um, and I think the reason is largely if a business is looking to relocate or establish a, a satellite office or something like that, they're looking for a place where their employees are going to enjoy living. And so um, that quality of life piece is, you know, it's maybe things like schools and it's maybe things like restaurants, but it really is outdoor recreation, um, cycling trails, um, waterfronts, fishing, um, um, all of those pieces that kind of are part of it. It's, you know, it's a safe community. Um, all of those pieces kind of fit together. And so we know that recreation is a very big part of it. And um, that drives demand. It uh, kind of all fits together when you look at um, you know, conservation areas, three waterfronts, fishing, strong local food movement, creative downtowns, like these pieces all kind of fit together and um, create that complete community that people are looking for that they want to live in. And so that makes it a very desirable place. And then Durham region is in demand. We get a lot of um, inquiries for businesses. We're looking always to find um, opportunities for businesses to relocate in the region. So um, it, it is a, a a booming region in size for for good reason. Great. Well, well, thank you very much for joining us today. We usually, you know, have a real mental health focus, uh, maybe in a in broader in terms of like the region that we live in. But um, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, there's a connection between recreation and even um, the local health, uh, the health of our local economy to mental health. It's an easy uh, line to draw. And it was really nice to talk about um, things that are close in our community because uh, our community has been there for us. They've donated PPE and all sorts of different uh, um, items to help us get through the early days of the pandemic. Um, they donated skates uh, when we opened up a skate skating rink for our patients this winter. And uh, it's nice to talk about some of the things going on in our community. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Jay. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Begins in the